Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. And don't hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we're talking August's listener pick, submitted by Cody, the 1994 film Drunken Master 2, or what we got six years later, rebranded The Legend of Drunken Master. Normally I'd talk about spoilers here, but what is there to spoil? Jackie Chan fights people. And we get a really fucked up ending, which I will talk about. Can, can I say something? <laughs> well, please do, man. <laughs> Up until now, I was going to say nothing for the entire episode. I've decided to change that. <laughs> um, at one point leading up to this pick, we had a conversation off mic where you were concerned that not watching the previous movie would leave us in a little bit of a lurch for the events of the second one. How do you feel about that statement now? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not watching the first one. Uh, I, I didn't. I won't. And I have... Uh, high doubt that I will watch this one again. Spoilers on that, I guess. Well, I just more meant, do you feel like you lost out on the experience by not seeing the first one? I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I really wish that there is some deep meaning in the first movie that justifies this film and that's why I, I, I missed it. And that's why this one didn't take for me. Because this is a series of action pieces, not so much a film. What about you? Are, are, did you at least read the plot synopsis of the first movie? No. Yeah. So are you also kind of lost? Um, well, maybe not lost. Curious? Because this could be a standalone mindless action film well that's exactly where my mentality went is i don't i don't i can't imagine what would be in the first one that would alter my experience of viewing this one because this is in and of itself a completely isolated movie i i i feel like if we did watch the first one it might just be potentially the same character with a completely different story that had nothing to do with this maybe there was his real mom in the first one, and it led to how he got a stepmom in this one? I don't, I don't know. Sure. Some, something. Something had to happen in this first film to necessitate a sequel. But I don't think that would have changed my viewing experience necessarily. Probably not. This is a very shallow movie. Plot relatively non-existent more a matter of convenience to try and get these action pieces linked together are, are you a jackie chan fan i am yes i very much enjoy him how many of his films have you seen you know i don't know that i can tell have you, you seen the more than film one that, oh sorry no no i'm assuming you saw rumble in the bronx I was about to say, that was my first introduction to one of his movies, and I know I absolutely adored that movie. I mm -hmm. thought that the martial arts was phenomenal. Action set pieces that were not martial arts, but just kind of explosions, uh, action sequences, uh, were great. And I thought that it was a great introduction to 
a very specific type of humor that Jackie Chan brings to his martial arts movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fan. I mean, I even just recently watched a movie that he did. I don't know if it was like a Netflix movie with John Cena. And even to this day, I think that he is absolutely charming and also really does kind of mesh in humor very well with his martial arts. See, I don't like that. I, I don't like his humor. I, he, he comes across as charming, but I find the humor in his movies completely out of place. And I think it's, it's a me problem, Sandro, because it's so present in all of his movies, from what I've been told. I think I've only seen two of his films up until this point, and one is because Jennifer Love Hewitt was in it. You got to keep in mind that you can't just do the same thing as everyone else. And maybe it doesn't land with you, and that's fine. Exactly. But he had to stand out somehow. Otherwise, he would have just been like another generic martial artist. Right. Yes. And this was kind of his calling card. And it did work for me. And I'm not saying every single joke lands, but in general, I do like it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I get it too, because it's not something that's very common in North American culture and in, in film culture here. So moving him, shifting him, rebranding his films for a North American audience is a brilliant business move because you're being exposed to something we don't normally see. He's incredibly talented with martial arts. I think he is funny. It's just his comedy is too one note for me. But if you like that, he's comedy gold. Mm -hmm. um, I do have to say I found the comedy in this film off-putting. Yeah, I didn't say it was good in this one. <laughs> it's, it's a weird type of slapstick. I was never a slapstick fan, ever. So right away, as soon as I saw the comedy start seeping into the movie, I'm like, oh, no. Well, I think that if you're going to do humor in a movie like this, it can't be slapstick because the main draw of the movie is the martial arts. Mm -hmm. So keep that very impressive, physical, and then keep the comedy on the verbal side. Yes, and they did try to do that with other characters, but Jackie Chan, that's his thing. Uh, let, let's just dive right in, because I'm right now saying I'm not going to play your game. Uh, before we actually do dive in, and I, I don't know if you remember, but I told you we're not doing the game this week, because there was just no way I was going to do the research for all these international actors. <laughs> Good. We should point out that this was, in fact, a listener pick. I did. Um, did you? That's how we started off the episode. Oh, okay. Well, the point that I was going to bring up is, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a response to our listener pick questionnaire, so we don't have our usual information on why this movie was selected, and we won't have awards later on. Oh, you'll get my awards. Yes, but for, I mean from the listener pick. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying I, I have a lot to say. I'm sure you do. Let's just get into this. We open on a train station in early 20th century China, where we meet Wong Kei-ying, his son Wong Fei-hung, played by Jackie Chan, and who I guess is their servant, Sho. And these guys are waiting in line at customs, discussing how they can smuggle through ginseng without having to pay duties on it. Which is the first time I raised my eyebrow. Because the dad says, I pay my taxes. And for some reason... Jackie Chan's like, no. It's like, well, if he has the money and he's honest businessman who wants to pay his taxes, 
there shouldn't be an issue here. Just pay the taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Kay Ying is a very honorable, just man. He's a doctor, well-respected in the community. And Fei Hung just is kind of an idiot asshole. I wouldn't go as far as asshole, but he's definitely, he's definitely dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no question about it. And this is a, right where we start getting that comedic tone for the movie. And I was very hesitant at this point, but I was willing to go along with it. I'm thinking this could either turn out really well or go very poorly. Um, how did you feel when you start seeing this kind of... I, I said slapstick earlier, but this is more just physical humor. I wasn't completely put off by it immediately because... Most of the Jackie Chan movies I've seen are the ones that were intended to be released more globally. And I just don't know what sort of cultural expectations or what is necessarily considered funny in these movies. And admittedly, this is not some of the worst parts of humor that are in the movie. So I would say at this point, I was just maybe a little bit more cautiously optimistic. That's fair. That's probably the best way to approach it. But we get the introduction to the British consul, and that's the only name this guy's given. He's the villain of the film and doesn't have a name. I got a question for you. Oh, God. What? No, go for it. There, I'm, there's going to be a lot of questions that I'm going to have to ask you, too, because <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't fucking know with this movie. After about the first 20-ish minutes, do you think the movie does a good job representing who the main villain actually is? No. No. Like, then they go into so many of these other villains that are, I guess, his lackeys. But it's like, okay, is this guy like an underling that is trying to take over the power himself and is going to take over his main villain? And it's just, it's really foggy, the entire movie, who the main villain is. I know who, like, this, you know, motley crew of villains are, but who's the main villain? Dude, there, it's... Uh... So you've got the British consul who has like a group of people working for him, and there seems to be some weird power struggle between two of the guys in there. Sometimes one guy's the head, sometimes the other's the head. This guy's got a fucking bodyguard thug of some sort who just kind of randomly shows up, and we're like, oh, I guess this is a guy now. I don't know. We get people who are set up as villains who turn out to be allies. It's, it's interesting. It's confusing, though, because they throw so much at us and don't really explain anything and then just cut to another action piece. And we're, we're just kind of left confused. And not just villains too. Some heroes seem like they're going to be more prominent and then just disappear. But yeah, yeah. It almost feels like this beginning part with the British consul was filmed later on when they decided to bring it to the North American side. Yeah. Because after that, it just feels like the lackeys are the main villains. Yeah. I really want to know how altered this movie was for our release of it because it is so fucking broken <laughs> it is so broken it might not mean a lot to our audience but hearing you say i don't know tells me you didn't do your normal research that you normally do in a movie and it's very telling of how you feel about it to I, me I, I tried man i i tried so hard <laughs> I, I this i uh, I don't think I've ever had more problem with a film that we've covered. Okay. All right. Yeah. But let, let's continue with what people call a plot. We're really far into it. Fei Hung shoves 
show into a man knocking him over and then Feihung hides the ginseng in the man's bag to avoid customs. Okay, sure. But Sho hits the guy who falls on his left side. He's carrying a suitcase in his right hand. So his body hits the ground and the the suitcase just explodes. The door like the opening that flap just rips off altogether, which confused the shit out of me. But they just stuff the ginseng in and put the flap back on. It's not attached. The guy gets up and everything's fine and he walks away. Yeah. So I'm thinking now, is this a movie where we can't pay attention to detail? Absolutely. The majority of those questions that I'm assuming you have for uh, coming my way are probably going to be nitpicks based on paying attention to way too much. Yeah. I think I just I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I, I didn't know the nightmare that Cody just thrust me into. <laughs> oh, we should tell people that it was a fan pick by Cody. <laughs> oh, yeah. In case anyone missed out, this is the August listener pick submitted by Cody. Oh, man. We almost didn't mention that in this episode. Okay. So, show tries to use the same trick, and now we're 100% in slapstick territory. He jumps at a guy who dodges him, and he just hits the ground, and I'm like... Let's just turn this off. Oh, I found this to be hilarious. What? It might have been the funniest part of the movie to me. You're more broken than this movie. <laughs> Why? I just, I like this goofy character that can be, see, and this is how it should be for the entire movie. Jackie Chan should oh be the lead God. handling the actual martial arts part and then put the stupid goofy slapstick to another person. Because if I'm supposed to believe that this guy is um, and this amazing martial artist, which requires so much body control and stuff, I then also don't want him being the one doing the stupid slapstick. So put it on the other character, and if it's like a servant, butler, whatever, perfect. Mm -hmm. And sure, but th that, that character, show he, he's not a slapstick character throughout the rest of the movie. He's funny. That's why I said, that's why I thought this was one of the funniest parts of the movie, and they should have kept it with this formula, not to what they actually did end up doing. Yeah, it just seems so weird. It's an it's a un unintentional misdirect? Or just a failed storytelling attempt? I don't know. But the, the, the whole thing, regardless, the whole thing is encountered, or the encountered, sorry, the encounter is witnessed by uh, a, a man from afar. A man in a business suit, who we see a few times throughout the movie, and then I guess just isn't around anymore. He's the one that I was referring to. That even sometimes good guys just disappear. Yeah, he seems like he's going to be such a prominent part of the rest of the movie. He's integral to the fucking plot, and he just vanishes halfway through the movie. I wouldn't even say it's halfway. Yeah, maybe a third. You're right. Pretty much after the train that we're getting to. Yes. Oh man, we're so, so far into the movie. Okay. Boarding the train. I have never seen so many people enter a train by climbing through the windows. It catches me off guard every time I go back and look at this one scene. But I guess they're only allowing a certain amount of people through the gates, so these people have their tickets. However they get onto the train, just get onto the train. It's just a free-for-all. You don't buy tickets. It's first come, first serve. Yeah. A pickpocket attempts to steal Kei Ying's wallet, and Fei Hung chases him. Uh, just, I guess, a decent 
quick showcase of Jackie Chan's agility. That's all it is. Because the entirety of this chase is running after him, and then his dad calling him back, which, by the way, the mugging attempt or theft was completely just disrupted by the dad who caught the guy, grabbed the wallet back, and punched him. Uh, But calling him back and saying, like, the train's leaving, and then Jackie Chan jumping through the window again. It's like, all right. We get it. You didn't actually do anything. You just chased after him and got in and off off and on the train again. Cool. So Fei Hung is trying to cheat at a game he's playing with his father. And then we get the softball incident with the man from before. Mm-hmm. So, like, Sho gets cracked in the face with that softball. He, he's just slumped against the wall trying to sleep. Yep. I, I found him annoying at the suitcase scene. Here, his reaction is hilarious. Yeah, because he takes the hit and then just kind of shrugs it off and goes back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. He is, he is really funny. There's a look on his face. Almost like he needed approval to be offended by getting hit by the ball. <laughs> Didn't get it, and then is like, oh, well, well, I guess that's it for me. I go back to bed. So now it's time to recover the ginseng during a food stop. Although that food stop looked amazing, though. Um, the experience of walking in the first class, I thought, was interesting. Uh, a completely different world for them, mainly because everybody in first class is white. But Fei Hung and Sho use the classic chicken and duck distraction. Yes, the classic chicken and duck distraction. I think it's safe to say animals were definitely harmed during this movie. <laughs> I'm not saying it. It might be the case, but I'm not saying it. Have you ever seen a man throw a duck? Uh, yeah, one time in this martial arts movie. Yeah, it's crazy. They're just chucking foul everywhere. Yeah. Well, there's something foul here. Hot, uh, running over hot plates. Uh, one guy catches a duck, screams, shakes it, and throws it to the ground. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking wow, dude. Fei Hung enters the baggage car to recover the ginseng and sees a man, who we later know to be Fu Wenqi, stealing from the same suitcase, and immediately like, oh my god, it's that scenario of like, two identical packages uh, confused and swapped unknowingly. And that's what we have, but it leads to another chase. It's a good thing that they were packaged the exact same way, carrying an ancient seal and ginseng. And not in just a box, but wrapped in yellow cloth and tied off. Like, it. what are the odds? A hundred percent, dude. This happens Obviously. all the time. This does lead to a fight underneath the train, which I have to say looked pretty cool. Phenomenal. Watching the two combatants fight while crouched the entire time because they're under the train, it's very inventive. At this point, if you want to stand out in martial arts, obviously you're going to have standard fights here and there, but you're going to have to have some kind of set piece stuff. And this was great. The only part that I found really odd is the background is just a line of people standing to the side of the train. Yeah. Nobody seems to notice them. No, none. If you look, there's one person that doesn't even clear the lip of the train. Their head is right there. But nobody notices this. <laughs> it's so loud, too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
weapons are readily available in in this area somehow because um Fei Hung grabs a sword which is probably the flimsiest sword I've ever seen in a movie. What is this thing made of licorice? It looks like it. I, it looks like a paper sword. I don't I'm not a weapon guy. I don't know if that's something that exists and is really made, but I feel like it shouldn't be that thin and wobbly. No. That's what she said. Fight choreography <laughs> here, though, is insane. Like, uh, dude, once they ditch the weapons and it's hand-to-hand, this fight is fucking awesome. Well, I still think it's awesome when they're using the weapons if you just ignore the actual, like, condition of the sword. But Yeah, the spear is cool. The Dodging the spear, so good. Yeah, the counters. There's one point where he kicks the spear up to, like, sandwich it between his foot and the train like there's a lot of very visually impressive and just inventive like maneuvers taking place here if even if the prop is a little suspect yeah and you say beautiful this is not a beautiful film it is very bland in appearance but it makes you focus on other elements. You're not going to be distracted by backgrounds, scenery, anything like that. You're going to be watching the actions that every actor on screen does. And I, I don't know if that was an intentional like move, if it was a decision that was made, but it does work for this. I never thought about that, but I feel like maybe that could be right. Keep the focus on the foreground fighting. Yeah. Um, our first view of drunken boxing. That technique, we hadn't seen the first film, so I assume it's more of the same, but it's entertaining to look at. I don't like this. No, why? Maybe I'm getting too into the world from a canon standpoint. (laughs) The world of Drunken Master T. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. The world. The premise of fighting and, you know, later on there's a scene where the dad is explaining that, you know, having alcohol numbs you to the pain and things like that, which probably helps your performance. I don't see how just pretending you're drunk would give you that (laughs) same effect. Uh, Because it doesn't. Except here where it does. That doesn't make sense to me. Oh, does the rest of the movie make sense to you? I'm just saying if you're going to make a movie like this called Drunken Master, and it's all about the drunken boxing. At least have him have drinks every time he does it. Which also doesn't make sense. Because the way this man consumes alcohol is he'll drink it and is immediately wasted. Yeah. Immediately. Like, it would make a lot more sense to me if this guy was just a hardcore alcoholic from the beginning of the film to the end. But look at some of the alcohol that he's consuming. Like, he'll have, like, six bottles of hard liquor. He, he should be dead. Well, he misses all, like, none of it goes in his mouth. Well, yeah, like that's the Stone Cold effect, right? Yeah. All over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but these, these two earn each other's respect. Um, Fei Hung rushes back to the train, and we get the reveal that, yeah, the boxes have been mistaken for each other and swapped. So Fei Hung is now in possession of an imperial seal that was being smuggled out of the country, and uh, the other guy whose name I forget, Wen Chi, sorry, has the ginseng. We now get a luggage inspection because of the suitcase theft, and the man from earlier who saw the switch go down, or the ginseng hide go down, and then hit 
show with the softball, reveals himself as a counterintelligence officer, stopping the search of the box that Fei Hung ended up with. And I'm pretty sure that's the last we see of him. Yeah, I don't think we see him again. So he was just there to be convenient for this one scene. Yeah. Which now that I think about it, how is he playing baseball? Isn't this supposed to be a, a crowded train that they were all fighting to get into? I don't know. This must have a lot of space to play baseball. British Consul states that the seal is the most important artifact in the history of the country. Sure. I, I guess. I don't know. No one else seems to think so. Even the people <laughs> trying to rescue it, they're like, it's just another thing. If they take it, fine. If they take another one and another one, then it just builds up. So this, how is this the most important artifact in the history of the country? But doesn't he just say something about like, if it, if it's this, then what next? Almost like it's like, it would be a catalyst, but. Exactly. But I'm not, I'm not buying it. So. Me neither. We get an introduction to one of my favorite characters next. And that is Ling, who is Fei Hung's stepmother. This woman is phenomenal. Is fucking <laughs> funny. She is great. Running some sort of like mahjong gambling racket masquerading as healing sessions. It, it's brilliant. And she makes me laugh every time she's on screen. I did have an odd thought when I was watching this scene and I got introduced to her. Mm -hmm. She's doing all of this, like, almost like kata-like stuff mm -hmm. and flailing around and whatever, just to reveal that she has a winning hand. And in my mind, I'm like, I would hate to play with her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just show us that you won and move on. You are it. a bad winner. <laughs> Everything about her is so grandiose. Like, the way she deals with these women, the way she talks to, to uh, Fei Hung, to Kei Ying. She is great. Um, I guess Mis Mr. Chan is his name, I believe. He arrives looking for the ginseng that Kei Ying had promised. Mm -hmm. And I will say Fei Hung's panic here is solid comedy. Jackie Chan does a great job. Only made better when he tells Sho, <laughs> who immediately thinks he's going to get blamed for it. Oh, he's the servant, right? So. Exactly. So they ask Ling for help, and what does she do? Blames show immediately. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she is she is not nice to him. No. But it it does lead to some of my other favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> I really like Show as well, I have to say that. He he's pretty funny. He irritated the shit out of me at the beginning of the movie with that attempt of like running into that guy. But so far, every time he's on screen, he makes me laugh. I think it's here where she tells him to go find like a box in the closet or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's in the box? She's like, cyanide, drink it. It's yeah. like, oh, jeez. Oh, oh, she, she tries to pass off a giant radish as the ginseng. And it's only, it's only um, Fei Hung's father who notices or realizes it's not ginseng. It does not work. So Fei Hung passes off a bonsai root as the ginseng. And Ling, Ling is being a fucking champ. She's doing everything she can to help her stepson. But we go to another scene now. I don't know if you remember it, but I hope you do. Because my note says, can you explain this scene to me? It's like, never good when it starts with, can you explain this scene to me? Because like, it's a, a new foreman at a forge. I guess he's been placed there by the British consul. 
employees are being overworked. They try and revolt, but get beaten down. A guy reaches into a forge and pulls out a scorching piece of metal to attack everyone with. It just, the scene kind of came out of nowhere to me. And I feel like I really missed something. I think it was just meant to establish their evil villains. Although I did find it interesting that the pulling out the like flaming stick from the forge mm -hmm. and swinging it at the workers was a very like Power Rangers-esque moment where instead of like catching fire or just being hit by it, there was sparks and explosions off of it. I'm sure you loved that part because um, there was no need for <laughs> grenades there. But like, is, I'm just watching. I'm like, fire shouldn't act like that. Yeah, no, I thought it was really dumb. But awesome at the same time. Fine. Yeah, well, well, yeah, because awesome. it's your it's your grenade moment, and I know that's your favorite. It's okay. You can be yourself, yes. man. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yes, I love me some fire <laughs> grenades. Why not just have sparking hot steel rods? <laughs> oh man, that's gonna sound bad when you listen back to it. I I am not going to listen back to it. Anybody else listening to this for the first time, you're welcome. So. The console views a school of fighters being trained, or just people in a martial arts class, because I don't know, man. Are we, we're to believe that this is Wong's, the Wong school, or property he owns? Are they training martial arts as well? This has to be just a property that the Doctor owns. Maybe it has something to do with the first film. I'm, again, lost. Well, yeah, the only context you get here is that they say that... Uh... Dr. Wong, or any luck getting Dr. Wong to sell it, and then saying that they, you know, use nefarious means if you have to to get him to, to part with the property, and the only thing I really got from this scene was on my second viewing, I was like, oh, that's the fishmonger! Yeah, Shang. Teaching the class, and then that's all I took from it, even after having seen the movie the first time, and specifically paying attention for other clues and hints, that's, that's all I got from it. So the next day, Fei Hung goes to the market to get fish from Chang, as well as pheasant and gull from Fun. Um, we get a weird bit with a snake that weirded me out. Uh, holding a snake in place with my foot? No, thank you. It just seemed really strange. Well, they didn't ask you to do it. No, true. Uh, Fun wants to learn drunken boxing, and Chang's jealousy is ridiculously obvious. Yes. <laughs> You can get that from their conversation even before Jackie yeah. Chan shows up. <laughs> He's like flat out telling her that she needs a husband to protect her and that he can teach her martial arts, which kind but, of a contradictory statement. But what their is treatment the of women is not ideal. No, of course not. It's 20th century China. It gets worse. It gets a lot worse. Yeah. But what is, what is the point of this preamble? Because we don't, we don't go back to it. We never return to this dynamic, ever. Not really, no. You establish, uh, I guess, a, a temporary antagonist to then later become an ally. Best uh, friend? <laughs> yeah, that's... With no relationship building whatsoever? No. Yeah, they're at odds with each other in one scene, and in the next, putting each other's life on the line for protecting the other one. Well, I'll say that they don't seem at odds because Jackie Chan seems too stupid to realize that there is any sort of competition here. Yeah, that's true. He's, he's pretty oblivious to it. 
I, I, I'm sounding so stupid in this episode, but I found this so incredibly confusing. That's fine. Wing offers up her necklace to Fei Hung to buy back the ginseng. And I have to ask, how fucking expensive is ginseng at this point? I'm hoping that it's uh, something that got lost in the translation. It has to be, right? To maybe clarify to people listening that I watched the English dub version, not the Same. subtitled. So I don't know where the inaccuracies, which I'm sure there are some, lie. So when I, I see something like, oh, you know, ginseng being expensive, I just accept that as potentially like yeah. a mistranslation. I'm glad you brought that up too, because when I watch foreign films, I, I always go to subtitles. I never want to go with a dub because they find, I find they really oversimplify what's being said in the film. And I know there has to be a lot that we missed out on because we were watching the, the dub here, but it was not an easy movie to find. So we had to you know, work with what we found. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, if you want to watch the movie after this, you'll have to do a bit of searching. So the, the consul's gang spots them and word spreads around about Ling offering up her necklace and people start thinking the family's going through hard times. We don't really see this happen, but it's referenced repeatedly. And then we get a new plot point of the gang planning to steal the necklace and then trade it back to the family in exchange for the seal, which seems way too convoluted, because why don't you just steal the seal if you're going to try and steal the necklace anyway? Well, the, they were saying, you know, like, I don't see the seal, I just see a necklace. Like, perhaps the idea was that they don't know where the seal is, which we later learn. Even Jackie Jan doesn't remember where he hid it. No. Um, so they're like, okay, well, this is just going to be easier than trying to find it, is to make them bring it to us. Which is funny, because when we do see the seal again, it is in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah. So Fei Hung <laughs> pursues, and at Ling's insistence, uses drunken boxing to fight the henchmen. Which this time, he actually drinks. So it makes a little more sense to me. And has a really good fight scene. But it's that last bottle that she throws him. He's like, this is really good. What is this? And she's like, the label has a skull on it. I don't know what the stuff is. Yeah, if it's got a skull on it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, there, was an, there was an actual maneuver in this fight that I absolutely loved where he was, uh, if you recall, using a bench. He yes. hits the guy with it, and then the momentum flips it around, and he sits down on it. I'm yes. just like, this is the type of just, like, phenomenal agility and martial arts that I don't think too many people can pull off like Jackie Chan. No, he is the master at using his environment. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, me too. Kei Ying shows up and puts a stop to the fight, schooling his son in fighting. Yeah, he's practically dead from alcohol at this <laughs> point. I really enjoy Kei Ying's confusion as to what's going on, though. Uh, he, he doesn't know why his son's fighting. He doesn't know who he's fighting. He doesn't know why his wife is pawning a necklace. He's not appreciating the community's concern for his well-being. He's just a doctor, and he's just trying to do his best. And he's completely unaware of everything happening around him, which comes across as strange to me because he seems like he's supposed to be one of the smartest characters in the film. Yeah, he also seems like he's supposed to be likable for now. Yeah, and the next scene... We realize he is not. No. Because Kei Ying confronts his family and berates them 
and puts a serious beatdown on Fei Hung. And also threatens to put a beat down on Ling. And I don't think it was just a threat. No, he says he has to beat her for her lack of respect. Yeah. The whole thing's played for comedy, though. It's so awkward. He only doesn't beat the shit out of her because he says, you admit to doing the crime, you take the punishment, which we saw what the punishment was going to (laughs) be. Because she lied, I'm assuming lies. It feels very obvious that she's lying, although with this movie, sometimes I have to question it. But pretty much just lies and says she's pregnant, which obviously later on down the road, if she's lying, she will have a much, much more fun time trying to explain. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's horribly awkward. Um, It turns out Mr. Chan took the bonsai root and has been poisoned. And this is where Ling tells Sho he has to take the blame. And this <laughs> poor bastard. The thing is, they acknowledge that it could poison the guy. Yeah. Even Jackie Chan, when he like gives the the root and he's talking to Ling, he says, Oh, let's hope he doesn't take a lot of it, or he could get really, really badly like sick or something like that. It's like you gave him something you knowingly understand <laughs> will potentially make him ill or kill him. It could kill him, exactly. But you didn't want to just tell the dad, hey, the ginseng was stolen on the train. Yeah. It would have made things so much easier. Or just let the dad pay the tax. <laughs> on Which the he was willing to do. <laughs> and has always done before. There is no reason for any of this to have happened. It's like $50. $50, this movie's five minutes long. Yeah. You know what I really liked about show here? What's that? Ling tells him he has to take the blame. And he's like, no, no, it's Fei Hung's idea. Yeah, he just fought immediately. Whose idea was this? (laughs) Well done, show. (laughs) Unfortunately, it leads to Fei Hung getting his ass kicked again. severely his father beats the shit out of him so badly but then it's Ling who is really the hero of this movie coming clean about the entire ordeal hiding the ginseng in the man's suitcase so on and so forth and what happens next is pure craziness and you're right we were led to believe that Kei Ying is an honorable respectable man a smart man he just beats the shit out of his family and tries to keep respect in the community by hiding all of this. I feel like she should know that that was a potential outcome because they are married. But the way she tells them, like, yeah, it was all me, and she's, like, kind of stirring her tea. What are you going to do about it? It's like, oh, I think you should know by now what he's going to do. (laughs) Very wary of what he's going to (laughs) do. But, like, Kei Ying basically drowns Fei Hung in wine out of pure anger. And then freaks out when Fei Hung swings about wildly like one of the infected in 28 days later because he's drowning in wine. And then Kei Ying just snaps at him for hitting him and disowns him and kicks him out of the house. You can be a little upset that he, he, you know, hit you inadvertently when he was drunk in the fight in the square. But right now, the dude's drowning in alcohol. He's just swinging for survival. (laughs) (laughs) you should understand why this happened this does lead to one of my favorite lines in the movie though 
because after Fei Hung leaves, it's 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 later that night. He's at this weird like open air eatery. <laughs> he calls one over. He's like, "Waitress, I'd like to request a song. It's called I Hate You, Daddy, and I'll sing it myself." <laughs> Jackie Chan is just so charming. I love it. And he goes right into it. And the song is hilarious. It's stupid. It's incredibly stupid, but hilarious. One of your questions to me better not be to recite it. No. I thought about it. I really did. I feel like you would (laughs) have. The henchmen arrive and beat the shit out of him and hang him from a signpost naked. This part baffles me because it's like the henchman showed back up with like the you know bigger boss the one that was doing all of the stuff in the uh like the mill yeah and the guy's like why aren't you fighting back what does it take to get you started it's like well he's clearly a lot more drunk than before (laughs) why is he not fighting back look at the guy he can barely keep his head up off the table in fact i think a part a few parts where he's talking to him He does lean back and just has his head on the table like it's a pillow. Yeah, he does. And and this is the scene where um, Chang shows up. And I'm I'm really confused because this here is where we see that he's fighting with Fei Hung and that they're actually friends, I guess. It might not necessarily be friends. It might just be, you know, they're part of the same community. They know each other. That's a good point. And he just sees a bunch of, like, you know, strange men that he doesn't know, like, essentially taking advantage of beating the shit out of a completely drunk guy that not they're not enemies, they're not friends, but, like, yeah, like, Chang is a little bit of an honorable guy himself. So, I think it was just doing a noble deed, which did not Could go very far. well be. Yeah, it could very well be. Also, trying to protect the son of a respected doctor in the community. Yeah. Um, but the next morning, the the parents take uh, the battered Fei Hung home. And I'm sure the dad was disappointed. Damn it, that was going to be my, my plan for him. Where he gets the uh, the little mini speech about the dangers of drunken boxing that you were talking about before. How like those who don't use it properly become alcoholics. You had mentioned that like the alcohol stops you from feeling the pain, but that's actually just psychological. Long term effects are devastating foreshadowing you know what doesn't make someone turn into an alcoholic pouring a giant jug of wine to drown them with it yeah as a punishment yeah and fei hung swears off drinking at this point he's horribly ashamed he's crying interesting character change i think family was always very important to him yeah. But he was just put into some scenarios and, and, you know, there was even the situation where his stepmom said, like, they stole my bag. Go, right? Like, he's he's honorable. Yeah. He cares about family. He's a little torn in that situation. Do I listen to my dad's overall request of not using drunken boxing or do I ignore my stepmom right now who's, you know, they've stolen her necklace in the bag and she's calling for help? It's it's just a bad situation, but it doesn't bring into hit question his admiration for his family no i know it's just anybody who has seen a film knows this trope of like that moment of introspection like looking inwards and realizing i need to better myself Mm -hmm. and that's all that's all this is because he he does go back to drinking but 
It's the return of Fu Wenqi from the opening fight, and he's shown up to talk to Fei Hung about the package. And has a pretty sweet little fight with Ling, and then... Yeah. Do you notice Ling's first move? Is it to step back and, like, kind of lift up her skirt? And no, it's to step back and then kick him in the balls. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It was a great move. But all is quickly resolved. Uh, when she's a decorated war hero, we find out, and everyone starts looking for the seal together as a group. Uh, and yeah, like I had said, it, the seal's in plain sight, because Sho is using it as a pestle. Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, he just found it in a package. He doesn't know. Yeah. The, the package that he knows it was hidden in from the beginning of the film. I'm, I'm just saying, he wasn't privy to a lot of the conversations where they revealed that it was a seal and stuff like that, so... Yeah, he's just using something that looks like I a guess. pestle to him. And it does kind of look like one. Come no, on. it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, have you ever used one? Uh, well, yeah, it's usually more like a, just a handle with nothing attached to it. Exactly. This is the exact opposite. Nah, you don't. Nah, they had different looking ones back then. <laughs> you know, I can't argue that. <laughs> I, I can't verify it either. I, I know, I know. Uh, I really enjoy the talk we get next between um, Wenqi and Fei Hung. Uh, what, do, do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's um, about why it's important to stop the English from stealing artifacts. We had referenced it earlier. Oh, yeah, I do know that conversation. It's just that question was way too open for Sorry. me to know what you're referring to. But yeah, it, it's essentially the loss of culture. I think he makes a very powerful statement, like, eventually we'll have to go to Britain to learn like our Asian heritage, like yeah, it's it's it makes have sense. To go, go to England to learn Chinese history, which I still think is a little drastic for one seal, but I guess well, no, it's a slippery slope. Well, let's just say he's saying they steal one seal, no big deal. Then they steal another and another, and eventually the Great Wall collapses. It's a really impactful scene. I really enjoyed it, but it is the one moment of. A serious conversation in the entire film and it's one of my favorite scenes and i think that takes away from me enjoying the rest of the movie because this was so good and the rest of the movie is just the rest of the movie <laughs> but we get this really heavy scene leading directly into one of the most insane martial arts action scenes i've ever witnessed it is absurd, and I have absolutely no idea how you call the action here. Like, yeah, it's a, it's it's a fucking crazy fight with the axe gang. Yeah, there might just be. I think all we can really do is say there is a gigantic fight with an entire gang that the villains had hired, and maybe point out some of our key favorite moments. Um, I loved when Jackie Chan was under the table. Yeah, I thought you would. He was dodging. You know me so well. And he was dodging <laughs> all of the sticks. And then once it, like, he flips himself over, he gets kind of like lifted with a, with a, like, was it like a staff or a big stick or mm -hmm. whatever onto one of the like uh, planks above the bar? I thought that was fantastic. I loved the staircase. Well, when it, when it came down entirely or just when they were keeping them at bay on it? As soon as they started running up that staircase, I saw it shake. I'm like, is that just really poor carpentry? Or is this going to come into play? 
And every time they showed the staircase, I'm like, oh, that's really fucking wobbly. I wonder what's going to happen. I, I actually missed some of the action because I was too focused on seeing if that was intentional or not. And of course it is. The staircase comes down. Everyone crashes to the ground. I didn't actually expect it to play a part in the fight. And I really enjoyed that. I was expecting a couple of paint cans on ropes to come down, but I'll take <laughs> this micro as well. Machines. Yeah, for sure. I did not expect Wen Chi to take an axe to the back. No, no. I actually felt, I felt that. And he still keeps fighting. For a while. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that happen and I'm like, oh, he's done. And he keeps going for a number of scenes still. <laughs> it should point out this fight lasts like 15 minutes and spills outside and it's Shang, insane. Shang shows up and breaks down a gate by throwing his body through it. Like I'm I'm even starting to like this guy now. <laughs> it's it's the death of Wen Chi that that really, really hit me though. Like taking an axe to the spine is one thing. But it took two gunshots to the chest to down this guy. Two! That's the <laughs> part, too. He gets shot the first time, and I'm like, okay, after the axe, you know, you gave me some hope. He can recover. It might not be a vital spot, right? And then he gets shot, and I'm like, oh, no, he's done. But he just kind of twirls and keeps going towards him. <laughs> and then the second shot, you're like, all right, there's... <sighs> yeah, you had me hopeful. You kept me going. Yeah, they played us, man. They played our emotions perfectly. I hate that I'm going to say this, but well done, movie. <laughs> Next up is the siege on the British uh, consulate. Fei Hung and Chang disguise themselves and basically go to town in this place. But I find it strange because it doesn't seem like it was a plan they came up with together. They just had the exact same plan and run into each other. Yeah. Because they, they have that moment where they kind of bump into each other in the hallway and it's, you know, that, oh, oh cock your fists, you're going to fight each other. And, oh, it's you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had the same plans. Like, why didn't that, you just talk it over? That also, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen that in a film before. No? No. I'm sure it's happened. Probably. I can't think of any examples, but I'm sure it's happened. We get a decent fight. Uh, it's short, though. But, I mean, like, we just expect a great fight scene now. And, of course, it's all one giant trap, and the two get the shit kicked out of them. The consul uses Fei Hung's captivity to sweat Kei Ying into selling his properties. Fine. I didn't realize that was the main plot of the movie, was to get him to sell his property. It's because it changes! It, may, it really makes you wonder if the whole British consul part at the beginning was just added in. Like, the seal comes up again later on but that's the main issue until it's not and then it's getting these properties for what reason I'm sure they say and I just missed it uh, the consul also closes down the steel mill that he just imposed himself upon for some reason firing all of the workers planning on sending the stolen artifacts which are now a plot point again out of the country in what are supposedly steel shipments why shut down the steel mill? Um, they must have just opened it at the beginning as a ploy to have a base of operations. Um, dude, I can't even make up a reason to make it make sense. People love this fucking movie. They love it. 
I am. I'm missing something. We are missing something. Uh, we are not. You are. Okay. I'll let you know later exactly what's wrong. Another crazy fight this time: henchmen versus steel workers. And honestly, that one dude gets hucked through a window. Something fierce. <laughs> Say hello to Marty Janetti on the other side, buddy. Yeah, right. Uh, then we get the protest at the steel mill, which turns insanely violent. Our heroes arrive, demanding the artifacts be returned. And they seem almost superhero-esque at this point. They've gone through costume changes. And of course... I don't know if you were expecting this or not, but another fight breaks out. No, I thought we were done with them. The one thing that really got me with this is that Fun just starts throwing snakes at people. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a snake woman. If I got into a fight and somebody started throwing snakes at me, I'd shut down pretty fast. Oh, well. it's, it's a brilliant tactic. It doesn't really work, though. It should work. I mean, throwing chickens and geese at people worked. No, they were ducks, weren't they? You yes. just name every animal. If you threw a goose at someone, <laughs> that person's in the hospital. But, but yeah, if that worked, surely snakes would. I guess. Indiana Jones. Um, what did you think about the, the fight with the main thug, who we kind of see but don't see until now? Is he the main thug, though? I think he's like the bodyguard of the British consul. I don't know because they don't tell us anything. It was fine. The chain was cool for intimidation factor. Uh, absolutely, but I think the thing is after that freaking 15 minute all out brawl at the bar Oh, Axe Gang, yeah. They kind of no pun intended, set the bar a little too high. Yes. And now you have to try and follow that up. And that's not to say that these fights aren't good and yes the chain is great for intimidation but you're not going to replicate the high from that but it, it's not even just that it's the fact that the fight ends on a weak strike of a kick to the chest it just so happens that Jackie Chan's foot is on fire because the, the thug takes that kick to the chest falls back and is getting up then they cut and he's just out on the ground holding his chest Ah, now it makes sense. The scene in the mill when they were attacking the workers was to show the supernatural power of fire in this world. <laughs> ah, I got it now. I don't know. I, am, I got it. I got it. I figured it out. You're welcome. Don't try and rationalize it through comedy. <laughs> Doesn't deserve it. Fei Hung tries to convince the henchmen that the English are robbing their culture, and for a second it looks like it's going to work. But... This leads into another fight. And I have to say, it's not often that we see our hero in an action film being set ablaze. <laughs> but goddamn, that looked great. Back to the fire again, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's, it's the root of all of this now. I've also never seen someone try and blind another human being by shoving their chin into their eye socket. Yeah. Felt like that shouldn't have worked. No, it looked effective, though. I don't know about blind. You can maybe, I mean, chin's pretty hard. You can maybe give a black eye, but you're not going to yeah. blind. Being knocked into a pit of burning coals. Practical effects shot. And by practical effects, I mean, I'm pretty sure he just crawled through a, a pit of burning coals. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't practicals. They're realistic. They're realistic. 
Jackie Chan, he's a he's a very big uh, uh, supporter of doing your own stunts, right? So and that's just kind of how the productions are. Everybody's got to be a team player here. Well, it's like that story in Rumble in the Bronx, how he broke his leg doing a stunt and then had to put a cast over it, and they painted it up and made it look like the cast was actually his like jeans and his boot, and he just did the stunt again with a broken leg. I thought it was a broken ankle, but... Ankle... I, I know the story you're referring to. And yes, Jackie Chan is very well known for doing his own stunts. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't go well. A 30-year-old movie. Who knows what the actual truth is? Yeah. Um, time to start slamming down some wine and the return of drunken boxing. It, I have a note here saying, what's been your favorite fight scene so far? And I think we agree it's the Axe Gang, right? Yeah, I can't imagine it's not. Yeah. It's so grandiose. It's so extended, like... I think that has to be it. Yeah, there's just no way to top it. Because the choreography in every fight scene here is top-notch. Absolutely. Um, Use of environment. Perfect. But that that fight's just so good. But yeah, of course, here, Fei Hung is going to win the fight and does so. So, a later celebration shows the Wong family being congratulated for their efforts, and then we get one of the weirdest endings to a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> the reveal that Fei Hung has suffered severe brain damage from his drinking, and it's played for comedy. My next note says, what the absolute fuck? I was on the fence about this movie, and it just ruined everything. See, what you didn't realize is that none of this movie actually happened. All of this is just his just drunken fever dream pretty fucking cool fever dream <laughs> yeah i gotta say yeah, yeah this this conversation is actually happening in the bar that is perfectly structurally sound and nothing ever happened to it oh man can you imagine the bar owner after the actual fight though i'd just burn it <laughs> hopefully he has insurance <laughs> my bar is gone Having witnessed everything that we have in the last hour and 40-something minutes of film viewing, what do you think the budget of this movie was in 94? I feel like the only thing that really would have cost a lot of money would have been the bar. <laughs> Clean up? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say $2 million. 1.3. Okay. See, not far off. How much did it make? I have no idea. Was it released? internationally or just locally or well, that's the thing i don't know if this is taking into account the original release for drunken master 2 or if it also brought in the north american release of the legend of drunken master so i guess it's kind of unfair to ask you i'll just tell you that the gross is 34 million that's pretty good it's really good really, really yeah good. I, I i don't know how that would have been calculated so i, I yeah. would have never guessed 32 million so going into um Scores and reviews. Okay. IMDb out of 10, what do you think this has? Eight. <laughs> Very close. Seven, five. Oh, okay. Uh, positive reviews from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, 74. 84. Oh. And from the audience? 87. 88. <sighs> People love this, man. Oh, I know. People fucking love this movie. I, yeah. I, I, what am I missing? Uh, I guess you're not a people because I am I love a people. This movie. 
no, no. We'll we'll get we'll get into it. <laughs> let's let's just. I, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about this movie because I think we may extremely differ. Okay, yeah. But but awards go to awards. All right. So who did you have for your least favorite character? K Ying, fuck that asshole. Seriously, that's what I had too. <laughs> you give me this character that I'm supposed to think, you know, at the beginning he's giving advice, he's the wise man, you know, like Yeah, he seems lovable at the beginning. He 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 is honorable. He pays his taxes, he's trying to teach uh lessons the entire time, he's respected in the community, and then he is just willingly a wife beater. Yeah. Not just wife beater. Family abuser all around. At least with the people that were villains, I knew they were villains and I had that expectation. So I'm like, okay, you're doing your job. Yeah. I, I think the, the addition of the surprise element to how awful this guy can be is what got it for me. Well, that's just it, man. It's because, like, with a character like that, if you normally if you start off liking a character and by the end of the movie you dislike him, it's because there was something that happened uh plot wise where he had to make a choice that you didn't agree with and then he goes down this horrible path and just becomes a worse and worse character here you're just led to believe he's great and you go along with it thinking he's a wonderful human being and as soon as he gets behind closed doors you realize that you've been lied to the entire time and he's actually a horrible human being well i spent so much of the movie thinking like Oh man, it just uh, seems like such small problems. Just tell them that the ginseng was stolen or just this. And I'm like, no, their fear is very much justified. Exactly. Do, not, do not give this man bad news. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we agree, Kei Ying is, is the worst character. Absolutely. Who's your favorite then? Ling. I'm right there with you, man. She's so entertaining. And I will say this. The first time I saw her in the uh, gambling scene. Yeah. Uh, and she was almost doing like, I don't know, Asian I love Lucy type mannerisms. Yes. Yes, I'm completely. Like, I'm like, this is going to this is going to really, really dig at me. But it did the exact opposite. It grew on me so much. She became such a lovable character. She's so endearing. So yes. And super strong, probably the strongest will of any character in the movie. Also the funniest character in the entire film for me. She stole every scene she was in. Yeah. She's this movie's MVP. I wish she was the main character. And she clearly has the chops to do the martial arts side of it. So yeah, she could be the main character. Give me that movie. I would like that much more. Yeah. She'd be a perfect counter for uh, Kung Fu Kung Fu Dad. Oh, Karate Dad? Totally. Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. I can't remember which name I gave it to. It's Karate Dad. The perfect weapon. Jeff Speakman. <sighs> so me memorable line? I need to see the two of them in a movie together. That would be amazing. Karate Mom and Dad. That also sounds a little weird. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying anymore. Legend of Drunken Podcaster. <laughs> which is totally not me if you know me at all uh what was your favorite or most memorable line uh it's difficult because it's a back and forth and you had already mentioned it in the episode and that is between ling and show okay and it's when they're panicking about finding the ginseng 
And Ling walks up to him and she's like, in the warehouse, like, what about it? In the red cabinet, go on. There's a black box, go on. And inside it, not ginseng, I can't believe it. It's cyanide. What's it for? Eat it. I had to rewatch that scene maybe four times because I was laughing so hard. The only thing that could potentially beat that for me is Fei Hung being like, you'll never know what I'll do next because I don't know myself during one of his fights. You? I hate you. Why? Because my favorite line is, you'll never know what I'll do next because I don't <laughs> know myself. Yeah. Thanks for honorable mentioning my answer right before I gave it. Hey, we're three for three, technically. Technically, yeah, I'll give you that one because you did honorably mention it, but uh, come on, man. <laughs> I knew another I, answer was coming up. I think we're going four for four here, man. What's your memorable scene? I, I don't know if this is fair, but I just put the bar fight. I wrote fight with the axe gang. See, the reason that I was hesitant to just put that down is because it feels like so much more than a scene. It is like 15 minutes of the movie. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. I, I actually, if I'm going word for word, wrote big brawl at the bar with Master getting an axe in the back. That's fine. That works. Same thing. We honestly, with an asterisk, went four for four. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Very rare. All right. So what are your final thoughts on Drunken Master or Legend of Drunken Master or whatever the title is? Here it's a tough one, man. Like I said before, I'm not really well versed in Jackie Chan movies. I, I definitely want to check out more of his catalog after seeing this. Um, we had mentioned before about the color palette being so bland, but the humor added that metaphorical color as well as the action that this movie needed. And the action is it, it, phenomenal. It, it's amazing. Some of the best I've ever seen. I really hated any scenes of slapstick comedy, but I get it. That's the type of humor the movie's going for. I can honestly say I have absolutely no problem with acting. Everyone seemed to do a really good job. But the plot just seems so paper thin. It was just there to get from action scene to action scene. And it's a set structure. I, I, I get that. But I would like a little bit more substance to the overall production. Um, do I like it? I, I don't know. There's a lot to like, but I think I dislike more than I like. Would I recommend it? I guess. It, it's, it's not great, but it's really entertaining at times. So I feel kind of lost on this one. Um, if I watch it again, it's not going to be anytime soon. I can say that much. It does have me interested in going back and watching the first one, though. Um, yeah, I, it's, that's a, it's a really tough one. Um, Cody kind of fucked me over with this. What, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Cody absolutely did F you over in this because this is a great movie that you could never enjoy watching it critically for a review. Yeah. But yeah, I think that might be it. It no, it really really is. That is the one thing that I said I was going to tell you is your problem with this is that you watched it to review it. You can't do that. This is a great movie. It has 
fantastic martial arts. It has a lot of humor, which you might not like the style of humor, and a lot of it was hit or miss for me. But the thing that you need to acknowledge about the humor is that it's wonderfully paced to give you a little bit of brevity and a break from the action, which gets ridiculously intense. Yeah. This is a great martial arts movie that is an easy watch, even at a, an hour 42. It goes fairly quickly because there are so many lengthy martial arts movies that I think ratio of move like plot to martial arts is quite high for even this genre of film that mm -hmm. any fan is going to enjoy this movie. I am not in, even remotely surprised by the score it has. Well, I really missed out. I actually wish that I didn't watch this for the review, that I had seen it at some point in life outside of that, because yeah. it was even tough for me to kind of get away from it because I did have to review it. Um, but I could see, like, I'd enjoy this a lot more if I could, like, you know, hypothetically put the pen and paper down and just watch the movie as a fan yeah that's a very good point i i also really wish this was a movie that i just kind of stumbled upon when looking to watch something randomly someday and not have to watch for the first time to to do a podcast about um so yeah maybe i i was just way too critical it it is fun it is a lot of fun um just a bad first experience for me yeah so anyway, that was our thoughts on The Legend of Drunken Master. If you'd like to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BSBargainBin, Facebook.com slash BSBargainBin, BSBargainBin.com, and of course, the comment section of YouTube.com slash at BSBargainBin. Ben. Yes. Next week is one of my picks, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. It has been a while since I've done a real pick myself, because the last one I lied and was somebody else's pick. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back to my list, and I'm going to give you three of the four movies that I have written down here, their years, Okay, and then you will pick based on the year. Done. All right. We have 1997, mm -hmm. 1998, okay. and 2005. 1997. All right. So we are going to be watching a movie that I have seen before. But outside of the movie poster, can't remember literally the first thing about it. Interesting. So I'm looking forward to revisiting it and seeing if it's a good movie. We are going to be watching 1997's Mimic. Strickler's disease came to New York like a thief in the night. It was deadly threatening to steal an entire generation of our children from before our eyes. Since it has proven to be virtually immune to chemical control, we had to find a new avenue of attack. We recombined DNA to create a biological counteragent. We call it the Judas Breed. Now, the cure they created has taken on a life of its own. So you think your little Frankenstein's got the better of you? They all died in the lab. But you left them out. Evolution has a way of keeping things alive. 
Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. A fly can look like a spider. A caterpillar can look like a snake. They are breeding. Whatever it becomes, it destroys. Peter, these are lungs. Yesterday, it became human. If that thing has been around, how come nobody's ever seen it? I think we have. You see the size of that thing? We changed its DNA. Mira Sorvino, Jeremy Northam, Josh Brolin, Charles Dutton, Giancarlo Giannini, F. Murray Abraham, Mimic. Oh, special effects done in Halifax. Until next week, have a good one. All the best.